Welcome back to New Rockstars, I'm Eric Voss, and Rick and Morty Season 4 has ended. One Beth greater and countless Mortys lighter. Despite Easter egg breakdowns and Rick's explanations for each episode, there's a lot more to talk about from these 10 episodes. Even harder to catch animation details, insane lingering mysteries setting up Season 5. I'm gonna break down 42 more details that you might have missed. And a little later, we're gonna dig into some of those bigger questions from the season with our good buddy Tommy Bechtold. I'm gonna try to do this fast because he's running out of air. Season 4 Episode 1, Edge of Timorty, Rick Tyrick, Pete. Now, our breakdown of that episode covered most of the Easter eggs, including all of Morty's and Rick's alternate deaths refracted in the death crystals. But a new detail, Rick's tech to respawn himself from a 3D printer is the same tech that Morty uses to respawn the Simpsons in that crossover couch gag. When Rick respawns in another dimension, he says, What the hell? I axed this protocol. It's a callback to Big Trouble in Little Sanchez when Rick axed Operation Phoenix in his basement. Morty's death crystal fates include death via decapitation by elevator doors, which is a nod to Nora's death in Final Destination 2. Ew. Another shows him eating a berry and filling up with juice until he bursts, which is similar to the fate that Violet Beauregard probably went through in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Good thing they rolled her out just in time. And Rick's future deaths include him getting smashed by two tree trunks, which I should have known when this happened. It's a nod to what the ATST went through in Return of the Jedi. Also, we see him ripped in half by a giant squanch that has a neck collar, which could be a nod to Juggernaut in Deadpool 2, who wore an inhibitor collar and ripped Deadpool in half. Now, Rick respawns into a dimension that ends up being a fascist one. There's a photo signed by the president thanking him for helping him sterilize China. And if you think about it, we can assume Rick did that with the worms from the beginning of the season three Vindicators episode. Don't let any of those things get away, Morty. If their DNA gets into Earth's food chain, our entire species could be sterilized. And the shrimp dimension is, of course, also fascist. God damn it, when did this shit become the default? The two Nazi shrimp officers are modeled on Hitler's lieutenants, Heinrich Himmler and Joseph Gobbles, which I gotta say, I'm actually kind of proud I didn't know that off the top of my head when we broke this down. And a little worried some people in the comments knew that right away. You're just in history, I get it. On to season four, episode two, The Old Man in the Seat. On Rick's toilet planet, he has a secret tree lab, which many saw as a nod to the tree lab in Gravity Falls, or the hidden tree entrance in The Princess Bride. Rick tracks down the fly boss and threatens his kids. You might want to get that. Hello? Dad, give the human whatever he wants. He knows where I live. He's crazy. That voice was a cameo by Pamela Adlon, who voiced Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. That's my purse. I don't know you. Jerry's dream gig is a delivery guy for mountain sweat water. Its logo is two water droplets, of course, arranged like testicles. A joke about how Jerry is kind of blue-balling himself with his own lame fantasies that he'll never get to realize. Next, season four, episode three, one crew over the Kruger's Morty. At HeistCon, Miles Knightley's appearance is based on Freddie Mercury, with his episode coming out on the anniversary of Mercury's death. His cane is similar to Mercury's microphone stand that he would carry around. His origami calling card is a nod to Money Heist on Netflix, which is further underlined when Morty pitches to Netflix at the end of this episode. In the heist montage, the crew member named Key Catcher just does that one job. He just catches keys in the hotel hallway, and those keys are just to blow up in a double microwave to cause a distraction to impersonate a guard. It's all needlessly complicated. So many unnecessary steps. Additionally, this Laura Croft wannabe has an arm that opens up cybernetically, a nod to Ghost in the Shell. Again, she's already a Tomb Raider. Okay, on to season four, 
episode four, Claw and Hoarder Special Rictims Morty, aka the dragon episode where a bunch of commenters got mad at me for not pointing out what I thought was obvious at the time, but nonetheless, Rick's bond with the dragon is based on the soulbound concept from Dragonheart. There, are you happy? Pointing it out. Now the wizard at the end of the episode tries to protect himself with a block of ice spell. Ice spell! Ice spell! This spell turns out is in games like World of Warcraft and Hearthstone. It's a wizard spell used to prevent damage, but hilariously, it immediately fails here. At the end of the episode, Rick uses the Mind Blower device to make Jerry forget about what that mystery cat did, but Rick carries it in his memory. Later on in the Vat of Acid episode, in one of Morty's alternate loops, he visits the Mind Blower chamber. We never got the story of what he was looking at there, but I've always wondered if Morty accessed that cat memory, and now he lives with that truth too but uh, he's just not phased by it because kids seen shit. Season four, episode five, Rattlestar Rick Lactica, AKA the snake time travel episode. It does have this fun visual gag early on. Computer, you might want to put a rush on this. Morty's starting to look like a 90s Japanese ghost. Corners. Oof, oh my God, these snakes are a mess. Yeah, when the computer cuts corners, the windows on that screen each have a corner cut off. <laughs> and then my favorite detail that I overlooked from this season, when they first arrive at the advanced snake planet to intervene in their time travel tech, the wide shot includes the barely noticeable Rick ship parked over there just around the corner the whole time, setting up the future Rick and Morty looping back around to this moment for the post credit scene. Awesome. Now, the alternate fascist snake timeline includes a bust of Snake Lincoln with a Hitler mustache, making this Snake Abradolf Linkler, who shows up later this season, but in a hypothetical non-canon. And when the time cops intervene, the prehistoric snakes include cave markings that I initially thought was blood spatter, but this is actually cave painting of the snakes painting over their own tails the way cavemen would paint over their hands. Okay, jumping ahead to the second half of the season, the recent episodes, season four, episode six, Never Ricky Morty. Now, the train passenger assassin that we meet early on appears to be modeled on Wolverine. He's got similar hair, sideburns, heavy jacket, just like our man Logan. The car of Rick's exes includes this ice queen that I pointed out before, but she's probably based on Tilda Swinton's White Witch from the Narnia movies. But really, Swinton is a dumb reference because this episode was based on Snow Piercer, in which she played a major role. And the Amazonian X is the cartoon Pepper Ann, Disney's One Saturday Morning. Remember, too cool for seventh grade? Her opening credits began with her in this Amazonian form. Rick is getting around. Now, the musical theater car includes cameos by aliens that we have seen elsewhere in the series, including the pink pig nose race that was taken over by the Glorzo face huggers later on, and a Plutonian from that season one episode. And the canon non canon portal has writing along the edge, which is a callback to Rick's line about how much he hates portal writing. And look at this piece of shit. Why is there writing on it? Who writes on a portal? Next, season four, episode seven, Promortius. Not much we missed from this one. The 9-11 jokes were pretty in your face. Though many of you pointed out with this being an alien episode, Rick's less straining weapon. Man, I really shouldn't have gone with swords. Yeah, I know, my wrists are killing me. Flamethrowers next time, for sure. That was a nod to the effectiveness of Ripley's flamethrower against the xenomorph eggs and aliens. And then there was Morty's prison song. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. You know that song, Rick? Which at the time I attributed to Zazu in The Lion King, the way he appropriated a slave song. But of course, it was also featured in Spaceballs. Nobody knows but Jesus. 
Morty bursts all the Glorizos with his harmonica tune, just like the song in Mars Attacks being used to blow up the Martians' heads. On to season four, episode eight, the amazing vat of acid episode. The animators revealed that they designed this vat of acid chemical plant to be completely impractical, if you look closely. There's this elevated catwalk that for no reason goes over these open vats of acid. There's nothing to access with this elevated platform. You could just walk across this place safely on the ground level. And when Rick reluctantly invents a time reset remote, in addition to that TGRI secret of the used to from TMNT, the animator also included a clamshell device that was based on an old Polly Pocket toy. In Morty's time loop reset sequence, I pointed out how the movie theater's marquee has ball fondlers on there. It's a nod to that trailer shown in interdimensional cable, but this is also a clue for us that Morty has respawned in an alternate timeline, since that movie only exists in an alternate dimension. The Eric Clapton, it's in the way that you use it, song was inspired by Dan Harmon's recurring bit in Harmontown, notably while mocking contrived time loops in Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. What do you mean it looks like a smeared bookcase? <laughs> oh, it's back to the... Oh, he's the reason why the watch? Fuck you. Oh, I get it! Oh, wow! That's why the movie was stupid! <laughs> Credits. It's the way that she uses. <laughs> and among the protest signs is Return the Whales, which might be a nod to Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, in which they go back in time to get humpback whales to bring to the future to use the whale's sonic frequency to stop an alien ship. Maybe Morty used these whales for some similar side mission we'll never see. Another sign depicts Morty's face, and it has the similar crude design that Justin Roiland used in the Doc and Marty Channel 101 short that inspired Rick and Morty, but definitely shouldn't be watched because it's super gross and this mob is right to protest it. Okay, next, season four, episode nine, Children of Mort. The clay children geyser up. which at first I cited as a nod to Rene Descartes, I think, therefore I am, but this being such a religious episode, it could also be seen as a biblical allusion in the Old Testament when God presented himself to Moses saying, I am who I am. And I find the fact that there are both biblical and humanistic interpretations of this to be deeply ironic. The Zeus God that Rick fights has a tattoo of the Greek letter phi, which in mathematics is used to represent the Fibonacci sequence, which is also known as God's fingerprint. But rewatching the season, I find it interesting that Rick's heist crew buddy, the similarly jacked Greek god Hephaestus, was also marked with a Greek letter Omega. That could imply the existence of 24 Greek gods in this universe, one for each letter. Jerry's tribe of unproductive clay people later mark themselves with body paint, as does Jerry, that matches his dumb shirt pattern. And lastly, we've arrived at season four, episode 10, Star Mort Return of the Jerry. I pointed out a lot of the fun details with Space Beth and her crew, but in addition to female counterparts to Squanch and Crumpopulous Michael. There is a droid based on L337, the droid voiced by Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Solo A Star Wars Story. Space Beth has a blue streak in her hair, the same shade as Rick's hair, showing this version of Beth's closer evolution to her father, but also maybe a nod to the alternate evil Britta in Community, who had a blue streak in her hair. Because she thought that would be cool. Space Beth mocks normal Beth's domestic life. You fetch your shitty father's lemonade. Ah, back in season one's Closer Encounters of the Rick Kind, 
Beth does serve lemonade to all the Rick agents when they take over her house. On Dr. Wong's desk is a brain statue that many claim could be a nod to Blind Ivan from Gravity Falls, but I'm thinking it's just the old school phrenology statue that commonly sits on the desks of psychologists, and Blind Ivan's character design was just based on this. However, there is a super subtle cameo by Cypher Bill from Gravity Falls in the post credit scene in the alley on the right side. He sees all. And he also is missable number 42. Douglas Adams fans, that was not an accident. Now, before you jump in the comments to call me an idiot for missing red mistakes or Dan Harmon story circle or all the Akira references, I was just covering my bases for the stuff I missed in my first breakdowns and explained episodes. So there's a good chance I already covered your precious comment in one of those videos, so go watch them. Or maybe, you know, just don't comment. I don't care. Let's move on to Tommy to discuss the big lingering mysteries from the season. He's got a couple breaths of air left, but we can make him wait a little bit longer. Now that Rick and Morty is back on hiatus, I get my Sunday nights back, which means more time for snoozing. Thanks to Helix Sleep for helping me out and sponsoring this episode. Helix Sleep makes personalized mattresses made right here in America and shipped straight to your door with free no contact delivery, free returns, and a 100 night sleep trial. To choose a mattress, Helix made a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, if you sleep on your side or on your back or on your stomach, or if you sleep just really hot, with Helix there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. I took the quiz and I was matched with the Helix Lux mattress because I wanted something that felt perfectly medium and I tend to sleep on my back, you know, just to make the spiders crawl in my mouth and not the other end. But the sleep spiders don't bother me anymore. I am just sleeping so much better and waking up feeling more refreshed and ready to have my heart broken by the latest comments on our videos. I love Felix, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ, Wired Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. So just go to helixsleep.com slash ricksplained, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They got a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. Felix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash ricksplained. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash ricksplained for up to $200 off. And we're back here to review the biggest questions we still have from season four of Rick and Morty. Super fan and human Easter egg we will crack one day. Tommy Beck told. Welcome back, buddy. We oh, missed you last week. I'm so glad to be back. And you will try to crack this egg, but much like Humpty Dumpty, I have a dedicated group of King's horses and King's men that reassemble me every time I break. <laughs> you, sh you should start paying them, Tommy, because they do yeah. the Lord's work. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> All right, let's 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 talk about some of the big uh, mysteries that this season left us with that hopefully will get addressed in season five when it comes back yes. whenever. Um, okay, the first one, let's talk about the finale, because you weren't here last week and, and there were some questions. I, I actually really need your thoughts on this whole yes. idea of Space Beth is back on the show. Uh, yes. What does this mean for the series? Are we going to have two Beths in every episode now that like we can explore <sighs> conflicts with or like favoritism with? Like, What does this mean for the series that there are two? I, I really hope so because I like their dynamic together and it presents a, uh, a, I mean, a pretty formidable foil for Rick uh, because yeah. they have the kind of like one kryptonite to him which is he is a bad father he can't really deny the fact that he's been a bad father now you could argue he might deep down really not care about that but it does appear that it that 
like his family's disapproval does bother him to a certain degree. His actual family, the people he considers truly his family. I don't think he cares if Jerry disapproves of him, but like right. if Summer or Beth or Morty really, really disapprove or really, really are bad or disappointed in him, that does seem to get through his armor a little bit. I really hope we see both Beths in as many episodes as possible. Uh, I just think they're interesting. I think it's really interesting the way that was done. Absolutely. And the the way that they went from conflict to pretty quickly working together, having mm-hmm. that parent trap reference of like, let's let's yeah. do a parent trap thing. <laughs> the, the Lindsay Lohan version. Yeah, yes. they uh they really do balance each other out really well. And you know, Cassie Steele last week was like she saw like this weird kind of romantic chemistry between them. And I agree, rewatching the episode, there's definitely yeah. something weird there that whether or not it's romantic definitely could pose a threat to Rick. Mm-hmm. And just that battle between Space Beth and Rick with the Pokemon balls and everything, like they, mm-hmm. uh, the two of them represent Rick's worst and um, strongest and most aggressive qualities, but with two mm-hmm. people, it'll be interesting to see if that ends up being like a conflict, a two-on-one yep. conflict. Totally, totally. I, uh, I would be very interested to see that. And I don't know, maybe I was reading too much into it. When they said, I want to do a parent trap thing later, the, you know, the plot of the parent trap or the twins work together to get their parents back together. Yes, very good point, yeah. I mean, we, we talked in an earlier episode this season, Tommy, about this whole mystery of Rick's mm-hmm. wife, uh, Diane Sanchez, who we presume is dead. Uh, right. But there's all these conspiracy theories around her. Does this get us closer maybe to seeing Diane Sanchez and understanding what exactly happened with her? I think it's got to. I mean, I just don't think that they make mistakes. Like, they don't waste threads like that, you know? To even reference it or to to allude to Rick's romantic life is to, Uh you know, kind of open up the possibility. And we know Rick is shitty enough to have just sent her somewhere knowing he could bring her back like you know like this could be this could i mean this could be a de-escalation to the point where like they got in a petty argument and he sent her away because he was angry and then forgot or like you know what i mean something like that or or she left him maybe maybe she rejected him and maybe that's why he treats her as though she's dead because she is dead to him i don't know but i think that that is a, a great mystery of the show that it's going to be a lot of fun to watch them unpack. And I, and I really believe that they will tackle that. I don't know how soon, but I hope it's sooner than later. Yeah, I mean, here's the deal. I went through a period, I don't know if you felt this way this season, Tommy, but like I really thought that the writers were clearly saying, you know what, there is no such thing as canon on this show anymore. Mm-hmm. Each episode's in its own universe. There'll be some continuity, but don't take the continuity too seriously. But then mm-hmm. by the end of this season, especially with the idea of clone Beth, coming back with a uh, Phoenix person and Tammy coming back, the Federation coming back in that, yeah. that was such a deliberate move of continuity. Like these yeah. writers, when it suits them, they absolutely will bring back all these mm-hmm. plot threads of evil Morty and Mr. Mm-hmm. Poopy butthole. And yeah, maybe mm-hmm. all these mysteries. I, I think we yeah. can, we can speculate. It's okay to make yeah. predictions. I think now. And, and it's like, you know, it's such a smart show. Uh, that's obvious that's kind of a dumb statement about a smart show but like it's it's really like all these little breadcrumbs and like me and and you know like the the like the canon doesn't matter the stories don't like you know the the like the 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 plot lines don't matter it's just the like that what's happening right now in the show is what's important leading up to no just kidding it does matter this is the story is another kind of brilliant 
storytelling thing that they did basically like oh is this going to be the type of thing like an episode is this going to turn into a simpsons cartoon like thing where it's like mm -hmm. you know it's basically a day in springfield that has no right, linear right. connection there might be some loose character plot points that are the same like you know mod flanders is dead but that's mm -hmm. you know other than that it's a brand new encounter between homer and, and ned with no past ramifications other than just what the two characters feel about each other so you know not to sacrilegiously bring up another cartoon but it was interesting that they then went away from that and went back, <laughs> went back to yeah. you know, these are direct timeline story points so i don't know yeah. i just think i just you know not to gush about it but it's just such a smart show and so fun to watch but oh gush all you want tommy all this right. is your okay. turn to gush yeah, I've kept sorry. you in this chamber waiting for the first half of the episode to finish. So this yes. is your your time to gush. Fair enough. Gush All away. Right. Then I'm gushing. <laughs> well, and speaking of sacrilege, I'm pulling a segue line from like a paragraph ago. Uh, the whole Children of Mort episode nine, mm -hmm. where Rick killed what we thought was God for a second, but no, mm -hmm. it's just a Zeus. It's one of many mm -hmm. God figures, titans of this universe. And right. Rick did say there is a real God yeah. that exists. I'm curious, like... Who do we think the real God could be? Like, who is the real God? Will we see the ultimate God of the Rick and Morty universe, the one above all? And what form do we think that'll take? Do, do, I don't know. Is it someone we've already met? Is, like, you know, is it, Ooh. is, is it not, not to tie into a future thing we're going to talk about, but like, is that the thing that the cat did that is so horrific? <gasps> is that the oh, cat is God? Oh, that's a cool theory. If that, oh, all the horrific uh, natural disasters, yeah. acts of God, right. as insurance agents would call it, right. are all the cats doing? Right. Oh, yeah. that would be amazing. And knowing that it was preventable and like all of the heartbreak <laughs> yeah. and knowing that they could have prevented it and instead didn't, you know? Oh, I love or, that or, idea. Or he could have prevented it. And it's Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah, I would, uh, uh, man, running through the characters who exist, like if Meeseeks could yeah. be a form of God, you know, yes. like genies in a way yeah. are godly. And if yeah. they, you know, one God in many forms, mm -hmm. the God, like God can take uh, several infinite duplicates. Yes. For sure, Me the Meeseeks box could, is kind of a God box or, mm -hmm. or maybe like Mr. Poopy Butthole. Hey, maybe Diane Sanchez, is God? Rick's ex-wife, is the God of this universe. And that's <laughs> yes. where she is. Yes, I like it. I like it. Maybe oh. Mr. Goldenfold. <laughs> yeah, let's get Brandon Johnson. <laughs> just let's I elevate want, his just position. I want Brandon to do more episodes. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's let's dig a bit more into that cat though, because yes. that is a mystery that several we made an episode of explained about that. Mm -hmm. I think film theorists, lots of people are digging in. Uh, my big take was that it had to do with like. Um, sex crimes or pedophilia yeah. right because that whole episode was so gross there's yeah. the, the horny dragons and uh yeah the fact that like he wanted to go to florida there's just yeah. you know being from florida there, there's a lot of those yeah. types hey. there uh yeah it's uh but I, what else could the cat have done uh why was it so disgusting to yeah. jerry and rick i uh i don't know yeah and the thing is it was a consensus disgust from Jerry and Rick, yeah. who don't see eye to eye on literally anything. So you know how unifyingly horrific it must be because the two kind of antithesis characters were both on board with it being awful. So I think, yeah, crimes against a child or or something like that. Or I'm trying to think of like what would be something they both had in common that would be 
you know, that devastating because Rick is such a kind of nihilistic character that like, you know, some sort of atrocity might not really phase him. You know what I mean? Like a, like a grand atrocity might not be right. Like masterminding nine 11, not to be, you know, glib about that, but like a, like a nine 11, like terror attack probably wouldn't force Rick to have that visceral of a reaction. And you know, that's right. So, that's right. So I don't know. I think the thing is it's above my, it's above my intellect. I just don't, I think unless it's what you said, you know, I think unless it was kind of a, a sexual horrific tap, like, you know, ultimate societal taboo or ultimate societal like you know thing that is universally <laughs> looked at as grotesque and, and horrific i don't know i don't know yeah it's uh it kind of reminded me of that uh trigger moment in event horizon which our discord people know has haunted me since i was 10 years old mm. but that idea of like you know, uh, he gets his vision of all of his crewmates being tortured in hell. Mm -hmm. That's something that is just so cosmically impossible to fathom on a um, uh, on a Lovecraftian scale. Mm -hmm. You know, like I wonder. Rick was so worried about his parents. He said, "I have pictures of my parents there." Mm -hmm. Like I wonder if it, because his parents might be closer to death. Mm -hmm. Like he's worried. Maybe this uh, cat is like a, a version of. Satan, which I know we saw the devil in season one, but like I wonder if like this cat is a type of demon that tortures mm. uh, like people who uh, go into the afterlife, mm. and that's why he was worried. He's like, oh, he identified my parents. It's kind of like you know, you introduce the hooded figure of death, the specter of mm. death. It's like, oh, this guy's one you know heartburn away from uh, from croaking and being your slave now. Right. Maybe that was what it was. It was like a, a religious kind of fear. Yeah, sure, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be thinking about this endlessly just yeah. because they, they gave us just enough mm -hmm. to make us wonder, mm -hmm. but it doesn't seem like they'll ever answer it. I, don't, I, feel I like hope that's, they do. I, I hope think, that cat comes back. I hope they do too, but that feels like something that they would relish in not ever answer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Tommy, I want to close out here with, let's just do our, uh, our subjective rankings mm. from episodes one through ten of this season right. and, and kind of rank them down from our least favorite to our most favorite. Okay. So I'll start with I'll start with my ranking, and you can jump in there and disagree, and then kind of tell me your ranking. We'll see how they disagree, right. and we'll fight. Um, for me, number ten, I think the the dragon episode, Claw and Hoarder, mm -hmm. was probably the the least structured and just yeah. a little too like I don't know, a little too immature. Yeah. Uh, I think some of the jokes. Uh, the writers are very mature, complicated people, right. but this is one where they probably were just like letting their riffing run a bit too far. I I, um, I agree. I think I think you know I was gonna say earlier like that one for me upon a second and third watch is got increasingly less funny and more kind of like huh, okay like you know it felt to me like yeah. when you're joking with your friends or like you're on a, one of those text threads that will get you all canceled forever, but like that you're on with like really <laughs> close friends and you're like just trying to out like joke each other it, but it's but it's not an actual good humor it's just making things that will make people go oh god like you know you're trying to out horrify each yeah. other like i felt like the jokes were yeah. just so kind of like like yeah i get it i kind of get why that's funny but i don't know it's just a little gross and you know kind of sad that i described that episode as soggy soggy is a good word for it uh i think the writers gambled on the idea of game of thrones being still really popular and, and and flying high 
it didn't count on the fact that the final season of Game of Thrones would so piss off mm-hmm. viewers mm-hmm. that we were just kind of done. Like, I think they were hoping that that would trigger us and be like, oh, you know what? Dragon stuff is kind of stupid. Mm-hmm. But like, we had already come to that conclusion yes. months earlier. Yes, you know, <laughs> for sure. Great point. I think uh, my number nine episode of the season would be the Primordius episode, the facehugger mm-hmm. um, uh, episode seven, only because uh, I did like this idea of starting in the middle of things and not even realizing that we're in the middle of an episode and, and going back to the beginning. Um, I And I thought the 9-11 joke was super funny. Yeah. Uh, and then they bomb Pearl Harbor instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, Rick and Morty has kind of asked that question of itself of like, what have we become? Are we the bad guys? Mm-hmm. In, in other more interesting ways, mm-hmm. like the Purge Planet yeah. episode, I thought was an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just didn't really feel like it broke any new ground for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, so next up, number eight, I would rank The Old Man of the Seat, episode two. I love the idea of a shy pooper. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think we can relate with that. Mm-hmm. But it felt like it was just a bit too small of an idea that didn't really manifest into something more. And I think the show has pulled that card out enough times. I've been an episode of Rick being depressed. Mm. And I felt like of the episodes that ended with Rick being depressed, mm. this one didn't earn it as much as the rest of them did. I think I'm just a softy. And the yeah. the friendship between <laughs> Rick and I can't remember. Either way, the 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 friendship between them kind of got me, and the fact that Rick really did actually like him and like you know showed some vulnerability. I but I also like bad rom coms, and like you know I cry over iPhone commercials, so I can't be trusted. Yeah, I certainly can't be trusted. So I I, I, yeah. I might rank it a little higher, but only for those reasons. Um, what I did like about this episode, though, that I ranked higher was the whole Love Finders mm-hmm. app. I love had how it complete, how it very quickly reset people to a new match. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that whole side of the episode was amazing. Sure. Um, episode seven, I ranked the the Story Train episode, the mid-season premiere, episode six. Uh, a lot of people were mad by the canon, non-canon stuff, but I thought it was a really cool concept mm-hmm. using this kind of Snowpiercer, Infinity Train thing. Mm-hmm uh to tell like to break down how story structures work and to use an anthology chart i thought that was really a uh, clever thing and especially now that the that didn't actually destroy these hypothetical mm-hmm. uh subplots that we wanted to see come back that was just one episode mm-hmm. addressing it i thought it was really i fun. agree i really 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 enjoyed that episode and then next up uh number six what I thought episode three, the crew heist, uh, one crew over the Kruger's Morty, was super fun. Like Old Man in the Seat, it was kind of like a petty gripe of Dan Harmon and the other writers of like these heist films. Yeah. We know from Harmontown how Dan Harmon hates uh, the Now You See Me series yeah. and these other heist mm-hmm. movies because he's right, they are completely contrived. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love how the whole episode became this complicated rug pulling out underneath you. No, this is a twist. No, this is a mm-hmm. twist. I thought that was a really fun the way it kept subverting. I agree. I loved it. Yep, I'm with you. And again, Tommy, this is your gushing time. You don't have to agree. You can you can fight me on I, any of I these. I would like to. You I, can call me an I, idiot. I, you know, I'm thinking back, and I'm like, well, I really liked Time Heist, uh, the Time Heist episode. I really loved the Story Train episode. I'm like, wow, are they really these low ranked? But this was such a loaded season. This was a really, really, yeah, really good season. That I don't know. I guess like yeah. I'm thinking of the episodes that we still have, and I'm like, yeah, I can't rank any of them lower than this for for the for count trucula alone i might 
But, you know, it's like these are just little things that make me, you know, wake up in the morning. Yes. So I, I can't I can't put my individual selfishness ahead of the greater good of the Rick and Morty fans out there by by moving my rankings. I stand by you on this. Oh, thanks, sure. buddy. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Even the dragon episode, as much as I, you know, didn't like it as much as the other episodes this season, the bits in it were really yeah. solid. I, you know, the jokes on the show, even a bad episode, are still really mm. good. It's still really well written, and they put effort yep. into it. Um, my my episode five uh, is my ranking number five, uh, the snake time travel episode. It broke the time travel rule, sort of, for snakes, yeah. I guess. But they they were so committed and dedicated to telling as good of a time travel story as they could. And the mission by the end of the episode was erasing the existence of time travel from this universe. I thought was really, really clever uh, in the way that they use snakes as a snake eating its mm. own tail. It's kind of like a double metaphor mm. there. I thought was really impressive. Yeah, I, uh, again, I, I think for me, I emotionally would rank this lower than the time heist episode and the story train episode just based on enjoyment, but I can't I can't argue uh -huh. with what you're saying uh, in terms of, of, yeah. of actual physical episode. So I will. Uh, yeah, I can see a lot of people were kind of mixed yeah. on the snake one. I'm I'm just glad that they did do a time travel one, but they like they knew what yes. they were doing. You know? I will simply throw a Susan Collins. I'm concerned. Uh, that's what I that, that that'll be. <laughs> this is very concerned concerning to me, but I will not do anything about it. Okay, ranking uh, number four on my ranking: the season finale, the the Beth clone mm -hmm. episode, the Star Mort Return mm -hmm. of the Jerry. Uh, I thought the fact that Clone Beth came back it was such a fun storyline. Uh, the fact that they were able to bring back in Tammy and Bird Person slash Phoenix <laughs> Person in a way that didn't feel fan service. <laughs> But felt kind of deserved and uh, and lovely. Yeah. I uh, I thought it was such a fun way to to end the season. Oh, and I'll also say that um, the whole way it ended of just not giving us an answer on whether or not Beth is a clone or which Beth is a real clone or the real one. I thought was very true to the series and and very mature of the uh, episode and, to end that way. Yeah. Uh, so and I felt like I mean maybe this is just me. The reveal that he has Phoenix person in his garage was very Sh Sh Shaun of the <laughs> yeah. Dead-esque. Where he's yeah, like, yeah. we're playing Absolutely. video games with Nick Frost's character at the end and he's still trying to bite him. Like, but but still playing. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I I very much, I enjoyed that Phoenix person is now PP now. <laughs> I'm not BP anymore, I'm PP. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I, I, I enjoyed that. All right, getting to our top three here. I think my number three episode was the F*** the Planet episode, the Childrick of yes. Mort. Uh, because I felt that this did some really profound science versus creationism mm. debates on multiple mm. levels by having Rick fight mm. a god and having their champions, their surrogates on the planet surface, uh, fighting out and seeing it was one of it was I think it's my favorite Jerry yes, storyline of the and I think you can judge an episode of Rick and Morty by how good the Jerry storyline is. Yes, that that was going to be my interjection was Jerry was on fire this episode and this was a great. Great, great, all-time great Jerry bashing, all-time great Jer Jerry idea yeah. spewing from from the man himself. Yeah, this was a, I, I can't argue, great Jerry episode. My number two episode was the season premiere, the um, Rick Die, Rick Pete, mm -hmm. the Death Crystals, the Formogelon yep. Crystals. I thought that mm -hmm. season premiere was one of the series' yep. best. 
Uh, the fact that it like showed all the different Morty and Rick deaths yeah. in the future, the whole Rick respawning in different mm -hmm. timelines, and they're yep. all fascist because that's a default <laughs> now. I thought there was it's a, a true episode yeah. of Rick and Morty exploring it in every possible way you could explore it. I'm amazed that they had all of this in one episode. Love it. I completely agree. The <laughs> just like just thinking about it makes me laugh. The the like the whole. <laughs> The whole re revelation that Morty's relationship with the girl from his school is still just her kind of yeah. really not knowing who he, he really not knowing or caring who he is, just her base level <laughs> yeah. human decency and like just the the fact that that's all. This is such a depressing but hilarious like uh, I don't know uh, uh, tangent to go on. So yep, I agree. And then yeah, and I think I know what episode is left, and I'm certainly in consensus with you on the number one episode. Yeah, the vat of acid, number one, and I think we gotta give this episode even more love because the fact that it was truly collaborative and probably the most limited amount of time that the writers and animators mm -hmm. had to work on it. Uh, go watch all the behind the scenes on this episode because the writers will tell you how they really, they wrote it in mm. like a day. Um, so for the level of sophistication of the jokes being at least on par uh, or better, uh, that whole like, uh, animated montage of, of Morty's life with mm -hmm. this girl, like that was just visual storytelling. And that's what, you know, animation is great writing, of course, but like animation is visual storytelling. And that union between the writers and the animators is what makes Rick and Morty mm -hmm. so amazing. And the fact that they could just hand it over to the animators to just tell this heartbreaking but hilarious story. I, I thought it started out as such a simple concept episode that felt like we were just going to sit in a fake mm -hmm. barrel of acid for 22 minutes. But the fact that it went to these emotional depths, uh, but grounded back in this concept of this prestiging, you know, uh, another multiverse concept told in a way we hadn't seen before. I thought was another classic episode of Rick and Morty that if if people hadn't seen the series before, that of acid would be one yeah, of the ones I started it's, with. I think, you know, as... as more time goes by i think it's my favorite episode of the entire show it's so good yeah. the the tag wow. at the yeah. end of the cop going on johnny carson i'm acid proof well it's just so 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 <laughs> funny and such a ridiculous like what an irrelevant joke to make but just so so <laughs> yeah. so funny so yeah i i i i i think my only gripes with your list would simply be i might put um the uh time heist and story train episodes ahead of the uh time travel snake episode and another and and the uh old man in the seat episode i might emotionally rank higher but i logic would probably be able to calm me down and let it remain where it is so other than that i think the list is spectacular <laughs> eric i give you yeah, and you're not wrong for for defending those episodes more because as we this is why I'm yeah. not crazy about rankings because like people are always like <laughs> rank the MCU movies which we will but like uh, I had to in our Discord rank uh, Rick and Morty amongst the uh, other mm -hmm. animated series of like all time best animated series and I knew as soon as I posted my ranking I'm like Simpsons is going to be number one for me yep. because I grew up with it and like I cannot explain to someone who's ten years younger than me how amazing The Simpsons is. Because to them, the, you tell them to watch one right. of the best episodes, you know, Bart right. Sells His Soul or Who Shot Mr. Burns. They just can't understand right. how funny that is because it, by the standards of Family yeah. Guy, South Park, Rick and Morty, Archer, it's yep. just too slow for them. And they're, but like, 
uh, and I can't, rankings mm-hmm. are subjective and they'll get real mad at you if you rank something higher than, than something that they feel. Yeah. Like it's, it sets yeah. up conflict. And, I, and we're peaceful men. Yes. Yes. We are peaceful. And I also rank uh, South Park higher than Rick. I love Rick and Morty. It's just only been yeah. in four seasons. Those sh- Simpsons and South Park had like at least 10 yeah. amazing and, seasons. And do more than 10 episodes. I'm sorry. That... I don't mean to be. <laughs> and do Give more us than a 10. 15 episode yeah. season. You know what? Spoil us. Spoil us. It's like when people compare John Oliver to yeah. some of these other talk shows. It's like, yeah, if you're spending all this time putting all the same right. writing staff is putting all their effort into this much content yeah that content's gonna be way better but like if you're trying to make mm-hmm. 22 episodes or right. daily episodes as they are for talk shows yeah content's gonna be absolutely. there's gonna be more filler absolutely it's just how it works Agreed. anyway but uh kudos to everyone on uh the staff of yes. rick and morty thank you for giving us a great season and take your time with season take five you know yes. like don't rush it well that's a wrap on this season to explained big things to tommy beck told you've been a great wingman throughout all 10 of these episodes it's been a blast talking about this show with you man Thank you, Eric, and th- thanks for including me. I-, I love getting a chance to do these shows with you. It's a real highlight of my week. I mean that sincerely. So thank you for including me again. I hope we get to do it for next season. Yeah, man. And, you know, between now and then, we'll have, like, plenty of other stuff on this channel. For those of you who love seeing Tommy, we all love having Tommy on uh, New Rockstar stuff. So check out uh, Rogue Theory. Uh, big question. Tommy will will often show up there and hopefully new formats will be able yes. to roll out soon where uh where we can get tommy in there as well we love this guy well i love um, you guys too thank you eric um and thanks to all the guests who joined us this season of rick and morty brandon johnson cassie Steele, echo kellum tara strong nolan north ryan ridley abed gaith jessica chobot sam batcher any others i might be forgetting you're all so great you can also get early audio versions of the show by subscribing to rick explained wherever you get your podcasts follow me on social media follow new rock stars Follow Tommy. Subscribe to this channel for more Rick and Morty breakdowns. We will close out this week with a montage of each of our favorite lines. Back to back for your enjoyment. But first, something silly. What do you mean, but first? I already said up next, you always do I this. I don't always do shit. Don't gaslight Gaslighting me. doesn't exist. You made it up because you're f***ing crazy. What in the hell are you doing? Parenting. That's not how I did it. Yeah, where's your daughter? Ah, you're right. Join ISIS. Rick Sanchez, everyone. Smartest man in the universe. And a savage critic of the heisting arts. Your booze mean nothing. I've seen what makes you cheer. You know who's into dragons, Morty? Nerds that refuse to admit they're Christian. I want my dragon! Real talk, buddy. Where you at? Go to hell, Rick. Come on, Jerry. I can recognize the sound of a seagull. Can you recognize the sound of a man's pants filling up with rain? I hope to one day. Uh, I guess I'll return it. Return? Are you insane? Did you hear nothing I said? Buy another one, Morty. Consume, Morty. Nobody's out there shopping with this virus. Where's your wallet? Do you suffer from Alzheimer's? 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 Reggie? Do you suffer from Alzheimer's? Reggie, right in there? I'm acid proof. All of you. All of you. I'm gonna be rich. Here's my ass. Take a good look. Father or not, he was a lying piece of shit. I don't care who else stuffed your crust, but I'm the guy that showed up. You made me go to a wedding. And you killed my best friend. I should have said that one first.